Welcome to Days Zero Update for February 26, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dandra Victoria. And yeah, we've got a big week this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had the launch of PlayStation VR 2 happen mm-hmm. uh, with a bunch of games that I will be talking about here shortly. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff happening. People releasing updates for games, uh, some for good reasons, some for bad reasons. Yeah. Some that are pledging to fix their games. Uh, then we got, you know, somebody uh, leaving a company for the first time in a long time, uh, as well as Microsoft deciding they're going to make deals to try and close this acquisition thing, as well as some Sony news as they have announced more stuff and had a state of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to that, we'll talk about what we've been playing. Uh, I have been playing a bunch of PlayStation VR 2. Uh, I have the headset, the charging stand, which is uh, pretty nice once you get used to it because uh, it requires sort of setting the... Well, first off, you have to plug in uh, this little charging adapter for the uh, USB-C slots that are on the the controllers mm-hmm. uh, to make it work, which uh, isn't a great one. Uh, I did that before I set it up uh, because then the... The PS5 is like, hey, you need to plug those into the PS5 so they get synced up. I was like, oh, Man. shit, I got to take them back off again. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the setup is pretty easy for PSVR. It's one cable, uh, as I uh, set up uh, the original PlayStation VR uh, a couple of weeks ago. And that was a bit more cumbersome, especially because I had the the main things, but forgot that there were more cables to it that I had to go hunt for. Uh, now I have them all together, but I don't know how much more I'm going to put that whole thing together to use, so I'm hoping a lot of the games that I liked on PlayStation VR get upgrades or new versions, whatever they want to do, but uh, the setup is pretty simple. It kind of has you go through uh, some of the basic stuff for just setting it up uh, on your face. Because uh, the it, while it looks similar to the original PSVR, it's kind of a a little bit different in the way it's set up. Um, but yeah, you have uh, a bunch of buttons on it. Uh, one on top for pulling the uh, the the HMD part of it uh, forward or back to your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got one on the bottom that is sort of a function button, which is what it mainly has you use to go through the initial setup uh, to advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have it all set up, that's sort of a pass-through button. So if you want to go looking around to grab things, uh, that's a, a way to do that. Uh, especially if you get turned around in games and you're not sure where you're looking at, uh, besides just you know fumbling around and figuring out uh, when you hit the edges. Uh, then you also have the, the power button, and there's another one that's the, I think, the mic. Uh, but on the back, you sort of have your button for loosening up the headband uh, and then uh, a twisty uh, ring around it that tightens it back up. Uh, so it's pretty comfortable. You know, mm. Not as comfortable as the original was, uh, which generally I hear people say it's probably the most comfortable VR headset around. So uh, that seems to be continuing with this one. Uh, the Sense controllers are pretty cool, uh, though they take a bit of uh, getting used to, so they have straps already attached uh, for your wrist, 
and they're kind of designed so that all you have to do is put your hand in kind of pull uh, for the way and it'll tighten it up without you having to, you know, grab onto a latch and tighten it uh, the way that a lot of your like Wii straps and uh, move controller straps would work. Uh, but it has two face buttons on each controller, a uh, PlayStation button right below the stick, which uh, initially when I was playing, uh, I think, what I, what did I start with? I started with Cosmonius High when I was doing some streaming with that. Uh, kept hitting that button a bunch on the right one, uh, bringing up the, the, the quick menu stuff. But you have the share button on the left side, the options button on the right. Options, much like on PlayStation VR, used to recenter the camera if it gets a little weird. Uh, you also have a trigger and then a side button that is sort of the L1, R1, uh, which I didn't realize that was that, that was what it was called until I started playing. Like No Man's Sky just uses the uh, the regular button uh, names when it's in your menus. So <laughs> that's definitely, I think it was like, wait, R1, L1, which one's which? And I was like, you know, R1's right. So that's the, the button there. But yeah, I'll run through a bunch of the games I played. I have videos, I think, for all of these. Uh, there's 2MD VR Football Unleashed All-Star. Uh, this is an upgraded version of uh, 2MD VR Football that came out on PSVR. I think it's a $4 upgrade. If you owned it previously, it might be like 15 or 20 uh, to buy it outright. Uh, it's, it's a basic football game. Uh, I assume similar to NFL Pro Era. I've not played the demo for that uh, to know for sure, but it's a lot of the same... Ideas of you being the quarterback, throwing the ball around to wide receivers and whatnot. Uh, you can draw your own routes for your receivers for the different plays. Uh, though you mainly have, I think, four plays. Uh, use the the stick, you know, up, down, left, right to swap between them. And if you hit them again, it does a, re- uh, a reverse version of that play. That sort of swaps the players around kind of thing. So you get that... Uh, the coach is sort of your tutorial there. It runs you through the different modes, and there's some side modes for challenge stuff, and uh, and it kind of runs you through a couple different kind of modes for games, like one you can play like a a more legit game of football. It's like 20 minutes. I think it runs you through. Uh, no real quarters or anything. It's just you run your set of play, your, your drive, uh, then it it simulates like what the the other team does, whether they, you know, have a turnover or punt it or score or whatever. Uh, you kind of go back and forth. So that one's pretty decent. Uh, it has a lot of options for uh, tuning it. I should probably, uh, when I go back to that one, you have a, a height option for your quarterback uh, to make mine taller because right now the offensive linemen kind of tower over you, so it makes it hard to see where. Receivers are at, so I often just threw blindly and hoped a wide receiver got under it, which generally they did. Uh, but also, I was playing on an easier difficulty, so they have a lot of different options for that stuff. Uh, so that one's neat. Uh, Cosmonius High uh, was the big one I played. Uh, that is the follow up to Job Simulator and Vacation Simulator, uh, but instead of being uh, sort of a jokey game about you know robots. Uh, doing these like museum type things for what humans used to do for work or relaxing kind of thing. This is more of a legit story to it as you're sort of a new student at this school uh, where they do like magic stuff kind of thing. 
Um, so you're kind of getting story from different characters, all that kind of stuff. That was the the game that I most got the cord wrapped around me and turned around uh, as I, uh, you know, was doing my thing. Uh, you're doing a lot of like exploration around the areas because uh, you go through the halls and you see all these like things that are broken, and you sort of once you go through some of the classes, uh, you get abilities that. You can go back and like fix this stuff as you learn how that that stuff works. And each of the classes has uh, like three students in them that have like little quests for you to do for them. And then you're done with that class. But if you look at the blackboard, they have like uh, a series of side things you can do, uh, which it'll tell you or give you like little icons that can give you hints for what to do with that stuff. So uh, I'll have to do a little more. Uh, exploration of that stuff, but I was enjoying the sort of physics-y nature of things, and uh, you get these different abilities, like the first one you get is, you can like spew water out of your hand, uh, so you're able to, you know, put out fires with that, Uh, then you get ice, Uh, what else did I get? I got a, uh, this weird like crystal ability that lets you like connect like frayed wires kind of thing, and there's there's a few others, I assume, because when you put one hand to the other uh, with the sense controllers, you have this like ring of abilities, and I have I think three or four of them right now. So that's one I definitely uh, need to go back to and play some more of that. Uh, but that's cool. Uh, there's Grand Turismo Seven. I played that. I did that a video for that yesterday. Did not stream it because uh, I didn't know not know if it was going to be a game that's going to fuck me up or or what. Uh, but that game is weird because it does not go into like a VR version of itself uh, when you start it up, uh, whereas other uh, sort of conversion games uh, tend to redo a lot of the menus for VR, uh, whereas in Grand Turismo 7, if you're not in a race or in the showrooms where you can look around at cars, uh, it is a flat 2D screen, and that's what the video gives out. It's just a flat screen. So when you get to like the, the VR showroom, it lets you kind of move around uh, the car, get in, uh, all that kind of stuff. You can adjust viewing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, though when you're in a car, if you stick your head in any way that clashes with the vehicle's uh, geometry, you start seeing like a, a cyber outline of the vehicle kind of thing, which is not a not a not something that encourages me to stop doing that because uh, I think it looks pretty fun uh, for that. But yeah, it's kind of disappointing you can't like look around the car when you're inside of it, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the races, uh, I did about four or five races in the in the video I did, and so it got progressively more uh, iffy with it, but. Uh, Initially, it's really well done. You got your car, uh, which kind of in the headset kind of feels a little small-ish. I probably have to do some adjustment stuff because I haven't seen people talking about this. But like when I was sitting in a chair sort of doing this stuff, the driver's seating was like different than the way I was sitting. So it was kind of a little weird uh, to that. Obviously, cars are have their seats designed very differently, especially race cars, to what a you know normal like kitchen chair would look like. 
Uh, uh, but you get to see all your rear view mirrors and side mirrors and all that stuff. Uh, all your dashboard stuff is uh, working as intended. You got a little side, uh, uh, like GPS kind of looking thing. It's not a thing that's built into the car. It's more of a HUD thing. They show some of that stuff so you can get an easy look at like you know how many laps you're you've done so far, how your time's looking, all that kind of stuff. So if you need to mess with that or look at that stuff, you can pretty easily without distracting yourself. So yeah, it felt a lot more smooth uh, of a of an experience than what I remember of like Drive Club VR at the PSVR launch. So that was uh, a nice improvement, but I still got uh, uh, into like a, a nauseous state by the end. But that was I think the video was about fifty minutes. So uh, by the end of that, I was pretty ready to be done, or else I was going to be really fucked up. Uh, I did take some Dramamine before that, so that was my first test with. That kind of thing, so I'm assuming that it let me get a bit further into that than I would have been able to otherwise. Uh, but yeah, that game uh, is very cool in VR. Uh, maybe the one knock is it doesn't look as good as the flat screen version of the game, which makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense because you're you're running at a higher frame rate than the than the game normally runs at. Uh, it also makes the other cars look small. I don't know. It's the, the weird perspective that the VR gives. Mm. Uh, but they all look uh, smaller than they probably feel like in 2D. Uh, so that's just kind of a, a weird element of that. They do have a weird VR replay thing, which oftentimes like put the action like behind me at times, even if I was recentering the camera. Uh, I don't know what the, the thing was with that, but that was uh, an interesting thing to see. Uh, but yeah, that was Grand Turismo 7. Probably not the way I want to continue playing it, but that's just me. Mm. Uh, let's see. Also played Kayak VR. That was on the, the first night of streaming, and that was the, the first game that was giving me nausea uh, uh, problems uh, mm. because it's a kayak. You know, you're moving in water. That's an inherently floaty feeling kind of activity, mm. uh, and especially the initial part of that is a... Tutorial where you're in a pool with a kayak and it's trying to teach you uh, these different moves and all that because uh, using a paddle in a kayak is not an inherently easy thing to grasp initially. Mm. And so it's teaching you because it seems pretty realistic uh, for, you know, you can put the paddles on each side uh, into the water uh, lightly for like slower, but you're going to have to really get deeper into the water to get a good uh, forceful push off to get some speed. Uh, but then it also teaches you moves for, you know, turning where, you know, you stick one paddle in the, the water and it, your kayak kind of does a mostly like a 180. Uh, it's usually been like a 90, 120, something like that as you're trying to get around turns. Uh, Cause yeah, it has like six or seven areas from around the world that it has like three activities for. There's races, there's sort of a free roam, and then there's a tour. Mm -hmm. And I I avoided the, the races altogether because I figured that was going to be the most likely to trigger more nausea issues. So I ended up just doing some free roam, mm -hmm. uh, which wasn't too bad. Uh, that one I went to, I think, Antarctica, something like that. So it was uh, a very uh, 
cold area of water and like pieces of ice in the, mm. the water uh, that you can kind of collide into or uh, run up on at times. You'll see penguins and birds flying around. Uh, but the tour is the nice chill thing because it just, you just sort of drift down the area in a guided path. Uh, though I kind of wish you could use the sense controllers to have like hands to interact with, you know, tree leaves and such that are flying around or hanging around. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. keep your hands in the water kind of stuff. But otherwise, you know, uh, if you're just looking for a chill experience, that one seems like a pretty good one. Mm. Uh, and if, if you're not good with the nausea stuff, that's like the the best mode there. Because it'll just slowly let you go through uh, these areas uh, mm. for that stuff. So that was pretty nice. Uh, let's see. There's No Man's Sky, which uh, was probably the the best uh, of these games that I had seen as far as really impressing me. Mm. Uh, because the original PSVR No Man's Sky had uh, some issues because, you know, it's No Man's Sky did not run very well on a PS4 or PS4 Pro, uh, much less with the headset where it demanded, you know, running at a higher frame rate. So you had, like, uh, compromises with that. And then you're using move controllers that are not great for what you're trying to do there. Uh, So it was mostly fine, but it was a better experience on PC VR. Mm. Uh, But here uh, on a PS5 version of No Man's Sky, that is a much better, uh, more uh, capable of handling the performance needs of that game. Mm. I don't know if you've played the PS5 version of No Man's Sky yet, Brandon. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a version where you're playing, you're like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be, not not the kind of janky uh, mess that the PS4 version is. Yeah, it's like, oh, this was the game they were supposed to make. Yeah. Uh, In VR, uh, it still runs very well. The compromise you get is when you get close up to uh, the textures of the ground, Uh, you can see, like, oh, they've definitely compromised on like texture quality and that kind of stuff. Uh, But other than that, it's pretty much the full game. I started from the beginning Mm -hmm. uh, and initially did a stream of this, uh, but then fucked up the recording because I forgot to switch out to the the full screen mode uh, when I did that. So I played for 45 minutes of people being able to see like a a quarter of the screen was the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I did a second video uh, with more of it and... Yeah, it's really good. It's uh, use your sense controllers to grab stuff. Uh, I would run into weird points, so you pull out your uh, little mining gun, multi-gun uh, from the back. Uh, you know, reach around to your back. Uh, but there were times where it wouldn't work. I figured out mm-hmm. on the the second video that I had to like recenter the camera, and then it would work. There's some weird yeah. thing where the the game lost the calibration of the camera where I'm supposed to be, and it, but just doesn't allow you to pull that gun out again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also has an issue where it's not, uh, it's probably not an issue. It's probably just the way it's designed where it puts that gun away more often than I would like. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause if you teleport around, uh, which this in Cosmonius high, use the left stick. You just hold the left stick up and then you aim it to where you want to go. And in No Man's Sky, it's kind of like a fishing uh, line where you kind of just goes 
way up into the air and off in the distance and you kind of just wait for it to hit the ground you're like all right i'll I'll go there or you can move it around if you want to adjust to specific places Mm -hmm. uh, for that stuff um but yeah you're kind of going around you can if you want to activate your scanning stuff once you have that set up because initially you don't have it when you start a new save Mm -hmm. Uh, you hold the left sense controller up to your head and hit l1 uh, the grip button Mm. And that puts you into scanner mode, and then you can hold up the the gun that has now a sight on it to aim at you know different plants and rocks and creatures to uh, uh, scan them. Mm. And you know you don't have to hold it onto them the entire time; you just have to get the initial push of the the trigger for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the the secondary scan that's for like story stuff when it's like, oh, where's this beacon at? And it'll so you say like, oh, it's off to the left. Just keep going that way. That kind of thing that works in there too. And to undo it, you can have to do the same thing. Put it up to your head and hit L1. Uh, for the multi-gun, well, for yeah, for the multi-gun, uh, once you get the terrain manipulator, which lets you dig into the ground uh, for the various things that that uh, works for in the game, uh, that requires you to you take your left sense controller and sort of point in at the right uh, at your glove hand that pulls mm. up a menu for swapping out uh, different things that your multi-gun can swap between whether it's you know the mining gun or the bullets or the the other sort of weapons you can have as well as the terrain manipulator whether it's the uh, subtracting or addition mm. or the build up or build down or you know borrow down that kind of stuff uh, left hand is for all your inventory stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, so your quick build menu, your uh, or your quick menu, your build menu, your inventory. Then that mm-hmm. shows us like a screen on your hovering above your left hand, uh, which I didn't really like that as much. I kind of wish you could like place that in the environment uh, to mm-hmm. mess with, uh, because there were times where I had to sort of do fine, uh, you know, control stuff in the menus in the inventory. And my hand was jittery enough to kind of keep moving off of it because it's, you know, it's that same inventory screen where it's got these uh, squares of these different items and it's, you know, a projection over your hand. So it's smaller than what you would normally see. Uh, So that was kind of annoying. And I found at times pulling out the refiner, uh, which is for, you know, turning different materials into others. Uh, If you were too close, the menu for that would... Uh, show up in the refiner, so it was yeah. sort of covering it. Uh, that was still kind of the refiner would be uh, translucent enough that you could kind of see the menu, but it was just making it annoying. So I've realized, like, oh, I have to be further away when I'm doing this for some reason because yeah. it doesn't just transpose it either above the refiner like it seems like it should. That kind of stuff. There would be a lot of issues where I go to like grab something out of a crash, you know, beacon thing. And it's like warps me to a th- thing to look at it, but then it's behind me. I'm like, yeah. oh, there's something weird. Like, why not just show this to me, you know, where I'm looking? Because it doesn't really matter. Like, that's one where it places it, you know, next to the the thing. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like it's, you know, it's trying to place this all like it's, you know, uh, dead space kind of thing where it's projecting these menus in front of you. Mm. Uh, but it's having lots of issues here. I had one where I was doing this on a hill 
And so it warped me around. And that was under the, the, the ground textures. So I could see everything under there uh, that was nearby. So, uh, which is a bunch of nothing, but I was like, well, this is weird. This game probably shouldn't be doing this, but okay. Uh, so it's a lot of like those are like little issues, but overall the game itself feels really good. The flight stuff felt okay in the game. Um, it maybe was more nauseous if I was hovering on the ground versus in space, mm. uh, but it has all the same stuff there. The cool thing is when you want to get out, you just grab the the handle on the, the window on the windshield and just pull it up. You pop right out. Uh, and that, which is how you save anyway. Mm. Uh, but in the cockpit, you grab, you have two different uh, like joysticks, one for you know going forward or back, and one for uh, controlling the direction you're going in. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of like a, a true like flight stick situation there. So that's cool. Mm. Uh, and the weird thing with all these menu stuff is when you go to the the pause menu, you know, look at your all the stuff you've scanned and your quest log and your tutorial stuff and all that, that is a fixed screen that, you know, projects itself in your viewpoint uh, in the mm-hmm. world. So it's like, why can't these other ones be fixed as well? Uh, but yeah, they do have a, a lot of accessibility stuff in this game, mm-hmm. especially the one I turned off uh, was the need to hold to confirm stuff in menus. Uh, Cause you know, with these sense controllers, my hand was, Jittery enough, it was kind of interrupting that a lot. So I just turned it off so I didn't have to deal with that, and that presented no problems. Accessibility stuff has been pretty good across a lot of these games. Kayak has a lot of them for the turning and all that to make it feel good for you, not make you want to throw up all the time. Uh, A lot of these games have them uh, pretty well done so that you can make yourself feel as good as possible in this. Uh, Let's see, there's Res Infinite, which is Res Infinite. Uh, it's not really, it's a prettier version of that. There's not really too much that has changed, though. Uh, it's, uh, it has support for the eye tracking. So you can use that as a cursor, your eye tracking, uh, which is inherently limited because your eyes don't have that fine of control when looking around, at least when it's tracking this. So it kind of uh, darts around a bunch uh, because, you know, your eyes are not, Trying to look into things that well, that way, but it works mm. well for that. And inherently, that's not the only way you control because it's tied with the head movement. So you're kind of looking around and able to use your eyes to uh, highlight enemies uh, that mm. you want to, you know, lock onto that kind of thing. And that works really well. Mm. Uh, it has like four different options. There's like uh, the classic PSVR option that was just head uh, control for the aiming. Uh, as well as classic ones that are fixed controls, that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, played a, a bunch of that. That's cool. Uh, for 10 bucks, you get the PS5 and PSVR 2 uh, versions that are all the same version. Mm. Uh, it pulls in your save, so you, if you have all the trophies, you can get you know an extra free round of trophies. Mm. So that's cool. That's what Res, Tetris, and Thumper all do. Thumper, especially when I started up, was like, oh, hey, you got a PS4 save. You want to just convert that to use on this version? I was like, yep. And I locked the one trophy I unlocked in the original game, uh, just for beating the first stage. I couldn't get past that. 
uh, but played some of that. That's also good. It's $5 upgrade, so not as much as the others. And Tetris Effect is a $10 upgrade as well. Same thing. You can pull in your save and all that. It has all the same modes. It has some extra ones, as we talked about last week, as part of this update. Uh, that video is fun because you watched me fail in every single mode I tried to play and beat. Uh, but the cool thing is that uses the PS5 level leaderboard stuff. Uh, so once you finish a run, it pops up and it's like, okay, you placed you know, this on your friend's leaderboard. And it's like, ooh, these are all terrible scores I did, so that's cool. Uh, so yeah, as people on your friends list get onto those leaderboards, you can do your challenges and all that with it. So it's similar to the... Uh, uh, the uh, I forget what the other game was, but yeah, there you go for that. Uh, last one I think I have here is What the Bat... No, no, I have two more. The Light Brigade is a roguelite shooter. Uh, you know, first-person shooter you're moving around that has a ton of uh, accessibility options, as well as options for gameplay stuff because it's it's a shooter that tries to... And its base form is realistic, so you're picking up ammo to put in your... You have like a little belt of pouches, mm-hmm. uh, and you put ammo into one part of the belt. Uh, but you have like four other slots for like grenades and other stuff you can pick up, as well as like two other things you can hook onto it. I've not figured out what those are for. I got one item for it. I just never used it because I didn't know what it was for. Uh, it was like a, a magic wand, something like that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the interactions in this game are praying. You put your two hands together to pray to activate things, uh, that kind yeah. of stuff. But uh, your base thing is you have like a rifle that you know you have to load a clip into uh, under the barrel, uh, and then pull the the thing back to load it up. Uh, as well as if I don't, know if there's a, a mechanic for. Uh, bullets to get jammed in there or something, but you can like pull it back and it pops out a bullet mm. kind of thing. And you have to be very specific with your ammo because as you get closer, you have to, you know, think about like, oh, should I just trash this clip, throw it away, and put a fresh one in so I don't run out of bullets? That kind of stuff. Uh, the cool thing this game does is when you put the, uh, the rifle on your back, uh, it does a little rumble when you do that, so you know that you have done it successfully, which No Man's Sky should be doing. So when you go to pick it back up, it also does that rumble to let you know you've grabbed it. Uh, whereas, you know, No Man's Sky uh, doesn't, so I did a lot of time in that video of, like, trying to grab it and, you know, looking at my hand, seeing no gun, and, like, doing it over and over again uh, until I really figured out what the solution was for that most of the time. But sometimes I just did it poorly. But here they make it, they give it a nice rumble that lets you know, like, oh, you did it right, uh, kind of thing. But with the gun, you can shoot one handed if you want to be cool. But if you want better aim, uh, you get to use the the right hand to put it under the barrel and sort of steady it. And so uh, the main issue I have with this game is I suck at the shooting. Uh, I have to try it out more because a lot of time, especially in the, the first couple of runs I was doing, uh, was spent like trying to get a handle on okay how am I supposed to aim this thing uh, and do it right and they have uh, target ranges out in the uh, in the, the main camp 
that I should actually be using more because they give you infinite ammo there uh, for that, so I could better use that. But the cool thing is you take out enemies, and some of them drop weapons that do not have uh, ammo clips in them. They're fixed. They're covered in, like, crystal to tell you, like, you know, this is something you want to use and then throw away. Uh, and those are good for saving ammo. I never really ran out of ammo. Uh, but as you're exploring these areas, there are enemies and there are dogs that they have uh, that you have to shoot because uh, they'll potentially kill you. You get health uh, pickups. There are things you can store in your belt to use when you know you get low on it. Uh, from what I've found, if you get take some damage, if you get out of uh, of harm's way for long enough, you get like five health back. Uh, but though. I was often at like five health. So if I, you know, took a hit, got down to one, if I could, you know, finish off the enemy and then hang around, I'd get back up to five. So they give you a little bit of health to go. But uh, around the areas, you'll find, you know, little jars and such you can pick up and throw to break and get uh, coins out of them that you use for buying stuff. Uh, you get like souls, essentially, like a, a Dark Souls kind of. Uh, mechanic there, uh, especially get them out of enemies you've killed. Uh, there are chests that you can find and open up that can get you stuff. It's usually like ammo or coins or souls or that kind of stuff, real basic stuff. Uh, but occasionally it'd be like a, a grenade, uh, which I used a few times, but I never saw them blow up because I think I threw them too far. Uh, so I was uh, being a little too cavalier with that stuff. Uh, but I managed to get through a few areas, but not too far. I think it lets you get a couple deaths in a run before you're finished. Uh, but once I did, I opened up a gunsmith in my camp that could uh, uh, say so you get to the end of an area, you put your hand in the thing and it puts all those souls into uh, your level. And so I leveled up each time. So I had two levels. I was level three marksman, I think it was called. So it might be classes I'm not 100% sure on. Uh, and so with that, I got two upgrade points that I could put into different stats. Uh, for And I used one for getting an extra life so I could you know, have an extra run uh, for that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, a lot of the stuff it's doing with how all these different weapons control. Like I had a pistol that was pretty neat. I got off of... Some of the initial enemies, but obviously didn't keep it for very long because it's limited ammo kind of stuff. So it's mostly the rifle. Uh, but you use the, I think that one you use the right stick to warp around, uh, to teleport around versus left stick for No Man's Sky and Cosmonius High. So that took a bit. Uh, but with the accessibility stuff, I found a good way so I wasn't moving smoothly around. I was doing like a quick teleport, which looks really probably really weird in the video uh, where I'm just kind of jutting around uh, very short distances, but it kept me from feeling, you know, nauseous or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, you kind of look around and all that. You can use the right stick to uh, do specific turns. And I think you can even uh, set how much of a turn it is like 30 degrees, 45, whatever. Uh but that's a really cool game. Uh, I look forward to putting some more time to that. Might be the best of the native VR games in here. Mm. Cosmonius High is probably number two on that. Uh, though, what the bet is also really impressive. 
Uh, what the Bad is the follow-up to What the Golf, uh, which was a very silly little golf game that played with your expectations for what a golf game was. And this kind of does that for... It's not really a baseball game, uh, but at the first few uh, you know, puzzles you get are just like, ah, oh, here's a baseball hovering in the air. Hit it at this trophy. Uh, and then occasionally it'd be like, uh, this trophy's up here. It's over here. You know, had to figure out how to hit those things. And like the second time, uh, you had to hit the trophy at the ball kind of stuff. So it does a lot to, uh, loves to do a lot of uh, jokey challenges here. I got through, I think, two of the areas uh, which cover like different parts of your character's life. And the, yeah, the, the tagline for that game is uh, you have bats for hands. Now go. Mm. Uh, you're a girl that has instead of hands has just these bats. And those are your, what are in both of your uh, hands with the sense controllers. And so it gives you puzzles that are all based around that. So sometimes it's hitting stuff. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, there's one time where uh, you're in the basement and you're hitting laundry into uh, the washer, uh, that kind of stuff. Or you're out in the, uh, when you're a child, you're in like the sandbox and like, oh, you got to dig this stuff out of the ground, like pull this stuff out of the ground uh, kind of thing. And uh, there's that. Uh, one time you're in the kitchen and you're uh, hitting bananas at stuff. Uh, so you're just smacking this big banana that shoots out a banana into stuff. And so you're trying to figure out, you know, how to hit it right or maybe not because there are, you know, bonus objectives for finding silly gags they have hidden. So like I hit the a banana at the oven and knocked the door down and a chicken comes flying out and jumps out a window. So it does a lot of fun stuff like that. Uh, each of the areas, uh, once you beat all the stages, you do like a selfie thing. Uh, which is really cool. Uh, you have like a little selfie stick. So initially you have like a little toddler kid with a selfie uh, stick taking pictures. And so that uh, was a fun thing. And then once you're done with that, you just knock a TV over that's next to you kind of thing. And that's a game that's just, it's real cute. It's real fun. Uh, very simple for what it's doing, but it's uh, one that's well worth checking out. I think it's like 15 bucks normally. Uh, or maybe it's no, it's twenty five bucks. It was on sale for twenty for the launch, uh, so that was really cool. And that's pretty much it for the PSVR two stuff I've played. I have demos for a bunch of stuff. Like I also have Job and Vacation Simulator and Tentacular. I have not gotten to yet, but I put up about oh, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten videos so far of uh, these games. I still got a few more to go and there's demos. I also want to do videos for, uh, so I'm liking PSVR two a lot. It's a good upgrade over the original. It's one of the best headsets out there. And, uh, a lot of the games they've cultivated for the system at launch and in the, the near future are some of the greatest hits of games that have been out for a while, as well as they've got new stuff coming. That looks pretty cool. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and yeah, the, the setup being, you know, one controller or one uh, cable is pretty cool. So I've just plugged it into my PS5. It's the USB-C port on the front of it. Uh, and then when I'm done, I unplug it and I wrap up the cable and I put it back in the box that it came in. Uh, pretty easy storage for that. 
Uh, the only issue I've had with that stuff is that uh, they give you uh, some earbuds that you plug into uh, the headset. It plugs in like the back side under. There's a audio slot in there, and I lost the uh, little rubber uh, nubbins for the the ear plugs and. The ones that are in there on the base one are too small, so they keep falling out. So now I'm too lazy to go find where these stupid little baggy fell somewhere. So I might just go buy myself uh, regular earbuds to plug in there, because I think that'll work just fine. Because uh, when I have my headset on, uh, the the BR2 uh, like headband is a little too big, so my headphones sort of hang out on the edges. And if I look up or down too much, uh, it'll fly off. So that's kind of annoying. But otherwise, it seems like really good headset. The The room scale stuff is pretty well done. Uh, when you're setting it up, it just shows you your room and you use your sense controller to uh, mess with the edges as it has you, you know, look around your room and sort of scan it. And it's just like, this all seems like the playable area here. You know, you can fine-tune it so that if there are particularly sensitive areas of your room, whether it might be, like, near a lamp or, you know, uh, shelving or anything like that, you can be like, I don't want to be allowed to go that close. And so if you start getting close to those boundaries, the you'll see pop-ups saying, like, ah, you're getting close to running out. And I know one of them is my wall that's behind me, so uh, that's a place where I... Uh, I've hit my hand a few times or the sense controller a few times on that, but it's also like, uh, I like to stick my hand out in that direction to be like, is that the wall I'm looking at without having to use the pass through? Uh, yeah. Also the fun thing with that is now the way it's all set up with like room scale being the default is all my videos start with me walking over to where I'm going to play and ending with me walking back to turn off the, the recording. So that's a, a fun little touch there. But yeah, that's a uh, PSVR 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things I've been playing, Like a Dragon Ishin. I got this from Gamefly. Uh, it is very much like the Yakuza games in that you are playing a version of uh, Hiryu. Uh, Hiryu's name is Sakamoto Ryoma. Uh, and much like the intros for a lot of those Yakuza games, he is... Uh, sacrificing himself early on to save his friends from getting into major trouble. And so, like, becomes, like, enemy of the state kind of person at the end of the first, like, the the first chapter, uh, which is the way a lot of those games go. So uh, that definitely is the case here. The, The coolest things they do, they have lots of accessibility options in this game, which I don't think they've done too much in the others. Uh, so you have options for like uh, turning off the mashing button sequences and having it just be holds. Uh, a lot of text options, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's cool to see. Uh, the other thing it does that's a bit different is it gives you all four of your stances in the first chapter as your character is sort of coming back from Edo to learn sword uh, fighting. Uh, you get, you know, a gun, and you learn how to use the the gun as a as a, one of your fighting forms, as well as gun and sword, which is a whole weird form uh, where you're doing a lot of like dancing type of moves to get out of the way of attacks. 
Uh, you also have a brawler form and a sword form. So that's all your four forms. Uh, as you do fights, you earn XP for that form. Uh, and every time it levels up, you get a skill point that you can put in its skill tree, uh, which is done as a, a big circular sort of a thing of circles. I think zero had something like that that you're kind of putting. Uh, that I think you're putting money into. This is just bespoke orbs uh, to upgrade, get the various upgrades. And it seems like it's a, a swirling setup. So it's, you know, you start in the middle and it kind of slowly goes out all the way to the outer ring. Uh, and they'll have a few spokes out uh, from that ring. Uh, it's just like bonus mm-hmm. stuff that might require you doing certain sub stories or whatever. So yeah. uh, to unlock that stuff. But uh, you do get. Uh, general like training orbs they call them that are sort of have no affiliation so you can use them in any of the four forms Uh, the neat thing is if you get orbs for a specific form you can replace those training orbs and use them elsewhere or you know further the uh, the skill tree you're on uh, that kind of stuff so you can kind of swap them out for additional uh, ways to use them Uh, so that's a, a neat way so it encourages you to kind of use them all. So you can kind of keep upgrading them all uh, pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, the, everything else is kind of a lot of what you expect. There are, you know, lots of sub-stories of weird stuff. The, the main storyline is usually pretty serious uh, for the most part, but the sub-stories are where all the, the goofy stuff happens. I've already seen a couple of those. Uh, I run into Junk Kid or Junk Boy, who is a kid that has no toys and then feels lonely because he can't play with his friends. Uh, so he literally asks you to give him anything that he can use as a toy. It's like, oh, I'll give you this bent nail that you can use as a toy somehow. Or here's a potato, or here's a piece of paper. And he's always amazed by anything you'll give him. <laughs> uh, and so they have like a lot of the sub-stories, and some of the merchants have like uh, meters to them, so that's you know the amount of times you do it. You can potentially like fill up their meter. It just seems like a uh, like an affiliation kind of thing. Uh, I've not filled up anybody's yet, but I've been to the the junk boy a few times. A lot of the merchants just like, oh, you go there and you buy, you know, drink or food from them, uh, kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I run into uh, somebody that runs a dojo uh, who is giving me some of the more brawler moves, uh, that kind of stuff, and that's tied to unlocking some of the locked abilities in my skill trees. Uh, another fun one I ran into is this, uh, outside this one shot, there's just a p- bunch of people doing chanting and dancing. And so you're like, what the fuck is this? They're blocking you from being able to even see what's going on from the one direction. So you have to run around. And when you get there, you find out like, Oh yeah, these people are chanting. It used to be something with some meaning, but now it's just kind of like, uh, just, people doing it to be disruptive uh, and then a bunch of grifters and thieves have latched onto this so that they can use them as a cover for them to, you know, steal from people. Mm-hmm. And so they're like stealing from the, the person who runs the shop. He's like, Oh, can you help me? They're not even part of these people. They're just hanging around. And then they, then they do a bunch of the dancing to be like, yeah, we're, we're actually dancing. See, see, uh, then that tricks your guy into dancing. Cause he's like, uh, gets caught up in it and the the merchant's like what are you doing you're supposed to be helping me it's like sorry i got caught up in the bonnet uh and then you beat up the guy uh the two guys uh and stop all this from going on 
So that's cool. Uh, it also has uh, some cool stuff in there. I've side stuff, at least I've seen. There's wood chopping. It has a whole mechanic where uh, you want to hit it on the sweet spot. And so you kind of get into a groove where it gets uh, faster and faster until you, you know, miss it and uh, end your combo kind of stuff. Uh, what else? There's pots around that have stuff in them, and you find some... The first one you find, there's justification for why these pots keep having stuff in them. As you see a guy, like, putting some trash he has in there. He's like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of us. We just go around putting stuff in these pots every once in a while when we see they're empty. Uh, that kind of stuff, but... Yeah, you're basically trying to tear down uh, the system, as is often in Yakuza games. There's some corruption going on, and Kiryu uh, finds it in his heart to be the one that tries to tear down that corruption. This time it's in, like, feudal Japan. But I mean, like, I don't know if it's taking, like, the feudal era, but uh, it's, like, the 1860s, something like that. Enough to have mm. guns be a thing that they, that some people have. Uh, but yeah, there's the, these like local, uh, people that run these towns that are, you know, samurai, but not, uh, for working for, you know, the emperor kind of thing. They're running mm-hmm. their, their own thing. Cause they're drunk on power and they, you know, will take money from the people, uh, as much as they can, uh, because, you know, in that time frame there wasn't uh, an easy way for there to be distributed power so that. Everybody's being treated equally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your guy, Ryoma, decides he's going to be the one that's going to challenge all these systems. And, you know, his, his like, sensei, because, uh, uh, you know, these people in power, you know, like, destroyed his home, killed his parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had been homeless and taken in by this guy. Uh, and you'll notice a number of these characters have faces that are familiar because they're, you know, actors and face models from the other games. Yeah, they're just repurposed in different roles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kiryu's the the main antagonist, uh, main protagonist. But I've seen a few people from like Yakuza Zero and some of the other games. Uh, that kind of stuff. They're not named the same. They're just different characters, different roles, that kind of stuff. It's almost like a, you know, a stage play of sorts. Uh, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff uh, so that's pretty cool but yeah you're trying to overturn the system and you've just gotten back from Edo and uh, they are like oh, yeah, we're going to go do this and we're going to do it tonight he's like whoa is this, isn't this pretty soon uh, and they found out you know when they try to go you know set this plane in motion that oh somebody's onto them because a ninja shows up and kills the the sensei and uh, Ryoma gets framed for it mm. and you know has to sacrifice himself to save his brother to mm. keep him out of trouble and that's how he ends up in another town uh, though time travels to an, a year later so yeah it's a whole thing but yeah it seems really good uh, looking forward to put some more time into it uh, but it's got all the Yakuza trappings in there for that mm. stuff Sounds good. Sorry if uh, you went over it and I must have missed it, but um, this release like came out of nowhere to me, so I I don't have it yet, and I haven't um, really looked into the details, but does this game have the same turn-based battle system from um, Like a Dragon, or is it the action-based from the older Yakuza games? It's the, the brawler-based system. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you're just fighting with your swords and whatnot. Got your combos. And as you're going up your skill trees, you're adding more combos and things you can do in that. So does it, does it feel any different with a, with a weapon or is it the same thing? Uh, it still feels uh, pretty similar. Like there's a lot of like square, 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 triangle kind of stuff, but you do have options for, you know, holding down buttons and all that. The guns have special ammo that's using the, uh, the triangles, like the special ammo. So it can be like fire bullets. That's where it gets a little ridiculous. Like, Oh, you got fire bullets and all this other shit. It's like, okay, sure. That makes sense in this game, I guess. Uh, uh, also, it's all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it seems really cool. Uh, look forward to put some more time into it. Uh, the other game I've been playing is Theorhythm Final Bar Line. I've been playing more of that. I've had a party hit 99, level 99. Uh, so that's cool. It just tells you, like, oh, you did it. Uh, now you can level them up further through these the star level system, uh, which requires like 100,000 XP to get to the, the first star, I think. With these guys, which I've been getting like maybe ten to tw- two or uh, one to two thousand XP in a really good song, so it's like, oh, this is going to take a while. So I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to keep with that in the same party, or if I'm going to try to get others to ninety nine, because I've got different quests and such to do, as well as songs. I'm still not even into the mainline Final Fantasy songs yet. I'm still working on the the last of the the spinoff stuff. So that's been pretty much it for that. So how about you, Brandon? Um, well, uh, as for me, um, I, pretty, I've been playing a couple different things this week. Um, the first thing I played was the, uh, obviously the sort of big release this week, which was atomic heart, which, uh, is free to play on game pass. If you have a game pass subscription, um, and when people say that this game is basically Soviet Bioshock, they got it pretty down pat. Because um, it, it's got a lot of the mechanics. Some of them ripped straight from the Bioshock series. Um, it's very much has that approach of like being in sort of like a major sort of all-around simulator where you're sort of going through... I mean, like, when the game literally starts, the first thing you're doing is, like, you're basically going through, like, a theme park, more or less, um, that is sort of showing, you know, the the sort of introducing you into the world that the game presents. Um, and gameplay-wise, it's very much that sort of you know, challenging sort of first-person shooter combat mixed with a lot of, uh, you know, puzzles and interactions and stuff like that. Um, It's, story-wise, it's not really as, I, I guess it's not really as gripping as Bioshock was, mostly because, you know, like a lot of the stuff that you see in there is, like it kind of it. To be honest, if you've played these games before, it kind of catalog it not catalog. It kind of gives away the twist really early. Um, though you kind it's you kind of have to pick it up, but they kind of do. Um, and 
It is, you know, uh, but other than like the, the story, like the actual design and environment design, everything is absolutely gorgeous. It's really just eaten up with that old school, like mid fifties Soviet union vibe. Um, like there's, you know, you've got like, uh, reproductions of like the cars that were basically everywhere in the Eastern Bloc. Uh, they've got, you know, uh, you know, a, a, uh, communal soda, soda glass, which were actually things that started showing up in the late, in the eighties in the Soviet Union. Um, they got, uh, you know, a lot of music from that era. Um, it's, it's, you know, and of course there's like all, of like all the statues and monuments to like you know Lenin and Marx and there's like a sort of somewhat vague recreation sort of but that, there's like also like reproductions of like the worker in Kolkhoz woman which is like one of the most famous statues in Russia if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about it's the statue with the dude holding the hammer and the woman holding up the sickle you've probably seen it a million times um, and uh, there's like a, a bunch of uh, old like Cold War propaganda posters everywhere. A lot of them are authentic, existed. Some of them were made specifically for the game. Um, and yeah, there's a also like a a statue that is this like this universe's version of an actual real statue, which is the Call of the Motherland, which is that statue of that woman with the sword in her hand. Um, there's a Except in that one, she's also got like a spinning atom in her other hand. Um, but basically, the the world of this uh, game is that basically sometime in the 1930s, a Soviet scientist uh, came up with a discovered a technology called polymerization, which allowed the Soviet Union to begin producing uh, machines and robots and automatons of like varying. Uh, you know, usage and intelligence and sizes, pretty much freeing pretty much the majority of the Soviet uh, of the Soviet citizenry from having to do any real labor. So a lot of the labor is basically done by machines now. Um, and it's basically, it's made like their technology like go exponentially huge in ways that are more or less impossible. <laughs> um, but it's like it's got like their technology in mind. This is supposed to be like mid fifties. Their technology has evolved to the point where they literally have results have not results have resorts that are basically flying around in the stratosphere, like above the cloud line. Um, but basically, what happens is you're this guy who's playing. You're like a spec ops agent. They don't really say if he's like NKVD or KGB or GPU or anything like that. Uh, but he's sent to find a guy who, for whatever reason, went rogue on this island where, like, all where this scientist and all of his team sort of develop all this technology. And he gets there and he finds out that all the machines have gone rogue and have started killing basically every human they can find. Um, so basically, you're you know that's more or less the way the game works. Um, it's and I mean, it's again, it's still great. I genuinely do 
liked playing this game, but there's also parts of it that are very awkward. Um, for one thing, the the voice acting in this game is inconsistent and hilarious. Um, very few, if anybody, in this game have has an Eastern European accent, even though they have Russian names and this takes place in the middle of Russia. Well, off the coast of Russia, anyway. Um, and... Like the the character who is the guy you're playing who is to be a Russian man is very much voiced by an American voice actor who does not make any attempt to have a Russian accent and he uses the expletive crispy critters a lot for some reason. Like it's almost become like a meme. Um and it's just ridiculous. Um and really it kinda hurts the like overall dramatic sort of punch of a lot of the stuff you come in contact with. And then there's like the weird sexualization that happens. And I'm not necessarily talking twins, which if you've seen any type of advertising for this game, you've seen the twins. They're basically the ballerina robots and they're fine. Like they're not really that bad. They're actually not in that, in the game a lot. Um, but you know, because they were like the big draw to when the, you know, the trailer came out, they went whole hog on using the advertising. But there's this, um, like, much like in, like, Bioshock, when you need to come across places where you needed to, like, get new weapons or ammo and needed to upgrade stuff, um, there's, like, a console that you have to use to do it. In this case, it's this machine that looks like a giant sort of, like, a cross between, like, a refrigerator and a vending machine, and for some reason, it has this AI in it that is just super horny, like extremely horny. Like the very first time you encounter one of these, it basically shoots out a bunch of medical tentacles and tries to take your pants off. You know, it's very awkward. And, <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's just it's stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I've been playing that. Um, and then, of course. Forbidden West because it's on the, uh, you know, the, it's on uh, PlayStation Plus Extra, and I've got a subscription to that, so I was like, ah, you know, I loved the first Horizon, I might as well play that, and yeah, you know, it's more Horizon. Uh, it's not terribly different from the original, it's still a lot of fun. Um, still love that universe, and I still love that character. And uh, I've also been playing Hi-Fi Rush, because that was also on Game Pass, and kind of kicking myself for not playing it earlier because it's a lot of fun and absolutely amazing and has an amazing soundtrack and probably one of the dumbest fucking protagonists I have ever encountered in a video game before. <laughs> yeah, he's but, a moron. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. So, uh, Dan Reb, what about you? Awesome. Thank you, Brandon. Um, before I start, let's give a shout out to Chris. Like, he uh, talked for a straight hour, like, you know. Yeah going over the 10 PSVR games plus the other games he's playing. And uh, yeah, that's badass, man. Like he's the only one that has it. So it's, it's cool that he has that much coverage on it. So mm -hmm. shout out to him for that. Um, anyway, uh, I was in Mexico this past week, so I didn't yeah. play. Where in Mexico? Mexico. Uh, Puerto Vallarta. Ah, nice. Yeah. So yeah, it was a good time. It was, it was my one year anniversary with my girlfriend. So we uh, spent some time there. Um, but anyway, um, I did play some stuff because obviously, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a longer flight. So uh, it was a good time to uh, dust up the Switch a little bit. And um, what I played primarily was Kirby Dreamland. 
I started it last week, and like I said, um, this game was pretty damn short. I think there's only like five levels in the game, but it's designed so that you can play it again because uh, at the end of the game, they give you a code to pretty much go on a second quest, which is actually a little harder. And, mm. you know, with a Kirby game, you always expect them to be easy. And that was what I thought going in because the first level was, you know, pretty standard, easy Kirby. And then as you as you progress, it was actually pretty darn hard. Um, this was the first time I had to use my, uh, use the rewind function on the um, NSO uh, emulator. And like just um just to give you guys like more of an extent on like how I game, like I'm I'm not really much of an emulator person. Um I do have them, but you know, it's it's just a matter of time. Like I don't really have time to go back and uh play like older games and uh and when I do, I prefer to play them in their original state. So when people talk about like rewinding and save states, I'm like, oh, it's uh I don't know about that. But yeah, it's it's definitely helped with this game, uh especially since um uh, I found the controls to be a little awkward. Uh, first of all, Kirby Kirby's um floating technique actually is infinite, and you can use that with the control pad. But then you know, like you know, I was I was used to other Kirby games and even like Super Smash Brothers, where all you have to do is press the jump button a lot. That doesn't exa- uh, that doesn't actually work with uh, Kirby Dreamland. And then um, another thing is that the the, the copy ability isn't there. So your your main method of attacking is really just sucking things and just spinning them back out at, at enemies. So it was pretty cool seeing uh, things go back to its roots there. The last level was pretty interesting. It was a boss rush where you pretty much just go against every boss in the game. And uh, yeah, I found that really enjoyable. Uh, it takes less than an hour to finish. Definitely a good time. Um, another game I played uh, with the um, GBA NSO is uh, Um This game was one of the games that Nintendo really uh, pimped out when the Game Boy Advance first came out. But it actually never came out in um, the United States. I think it was only a European and um, other releases. And this one's weird. You know, you use a propeller to just go through a maze uh, full of booby traps that can kill you. And, you know, it seems easy because, you know, all you're doing is going from point A to point B. But it's not at all, especially when you're using the control pad or the D-pad to... um, move your propeller because when you start playing the game your propeller can only move uh clockwise and the paths that you have to go through get really really narrow and along with that um there's all there's also these springs that you can hit that'll uh turn your uh, propeller to a different trajectory uh that'll you know allow you to go through um other areas uh more easily but at the same time like you have to do them too so uh, I think I got through around World 4. Uh, I don't know if I plan on like finishing this game because it, it's that excruciating. But I'll tell you what, like I want to say it's better on the Switch than it might have been on the Game Boy Advance because the Switch actually supports you know, uh, analog stick support. And it actually does uh, use it pretty well. So I can only imagine how hard it would have been on the D-pad playing as a kid. And yeah, I don't, I don't really see myself spending the 30, $34 or so to uh, really play it. But I'm glad it's available on the NSO. And it's definitely a fun trip down memory lane there. Um, I also had copies of Metroid Prime and Octopath Traveler 2 delivered to me, but I haven't started them yet because I'm actually uh, pretty deep into um, this other game that I can't talk about yet, but I will soon. So that's been about it for me. So you got lucky that Metroid Prime actually came in instead of being delayed for a month or more? Yeah, it actually was not. Well, um, the game could come out on Tuesday, right? Or, or Friday. 
Uh, Wednesday. I Wednesday. Well, I, I um, mine came on Friday, and I got it on Target when they accidentally put it on the buy one get one half off thing. So, I guess I'm lucky with that because I saw on eBay that they're all like over eighty to one hundred fifty bucks now. So I'm like, this game should not be rare, but I, I guess that's where we are with that. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people got notices from Amazon or whoever, like, oh, you'll get yours in March, end of March. You're like, mm. what? So it seems like they underproduced that game. Yeah, that sucks. Well, I got mine. I got mine for Target. Yeah, so, it seems yeah. like they decided, like, we're gonna make like ten thousand of these, and that's it. Mm. And a hundred thousand people maybe wanted it, and it's like, no, you guys fucked up. Mm. Yeah, I know Metroid's not a console mover, but at the same time, it's it's still Metroid. You'd think Nintendo would give that more respect, but well. Yeah, sorry that I didn't get it yet, but again, it is available on the eShop unless you really want it physical, like I did. So I guess I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so let's get to some news. Game Pass. That's still going. Yep. Uh, they have some new games. Uh, looks like one this past week. There was Atomic Heart. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a thing you can check out. Yeah. Uh, if you want to. Uh, let's see, coming up here on the 28th for console and PC, Merge and Blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, they call it a fantasy puzzler and a massive auto-battler. In the world's first puzzle auto-battler game, I don't know what that means. Are they saying like uh, like vampire survivors or what? I don't know. Uh, I hate when people come up with their own genre names because I don't understand what that means. It doesn't look like. Oh, this is this is probably like the uh, the Dota auto chess thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's maybe what that means. Uh, let me look at reviews. Oh, combines match three strategy and auto battle. Okay, yeah. So it's like match three meets uh, auto chess kind of thing. Okay, mm. that could be okay. Uh, let's see. Also, the twenty eighth, Soul Hackers two console and PC. So you can check mm. that out. And see the RPG that I think Atlas wanted to be a big hit, following up Persona Five and uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five, and I think the uh, the reaction to that has been like, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see, be able to see for yourself there. F one twenty two is coming to uh, the EA playlist, uh, so the, you can play the full title from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, console and PC on Xbox as well as PC and uh, PS4 and 5 if you have EA Play there. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, those games are usually pretty good. Mm. Uh, March 3rd. What is March 3rd? Is that the... That's this coming Friday. It's almost March. Jeez. Uh, Wolong Fallen Dynasty. You can check that out. Console and PC. Uh, there's a demo out now if you want to check it out, and that has the ability to transfer your save to the, the full game. So mm. if you're going to get it or if you just want to try it out, that's the thing you can do uh, to play it early. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Those handful of games, so not too much, but there's some neat stuff there. Uh, what else do they have on here? Not much. There's stuff leaving on mm. Tuesday. Uh, Octopath Traveler, so if you haven't played that on Xbox, you can do that. Uh, far changing tides, alien isolation, so some stuff there. Uh, but let's get to the rest of the news here. Angry Birds, uh, people like that game a lot. Mm-hmm. Romeo Games on the map. Uh, it got pulled a while back uh, because Apple and uh, Android got big upgrades to their 
there's stuff that's that game got left behind, so they made a new version called Rovio Classics Angry Birds for 99 mm. cents. Uh, pretty good way to play that game. Uh, but now they're announcing that they're pulling it again. Uh, not because of servers or anything uh, from their official description. I'm going to read this. We reviewed the business case of Rovio Classics Angry Birds, and due to the game's impact on our wider games portfolio, we have decided that Rovio Classics Angry Birds will be unlisted from the Google Play Store on Thursday, February 23rd. Like the the app, uh, the game will be named to Red's First Flight in the App Store, pending further review. Reveal Classics Angry Birds will remain playable on devices on which the game has been downloaded, even after it's been unlisted. So it's kind of a weird situation, the way they describe this, because uh, it makes it seem like this game's too popular and making our other games look bad because they're not as good. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what they are meaning there, but the way they're describing it, it seems like they want the games with microtransactions to be the focus of what people can play from them hmm. versus this game that doesn't have that stuff. Uh, Cause I think it's on the app store on the, maybe the Apple uh, premium subscription thing. Uh, so that's maybe not going away there, but uh, they are doing a bunch of other Angry Birds games that yep. have microtransactions and all that. So that's uh, a very weird situation to put a game that is classic, one of the classic multi uh, mobile games. Mm-hmm. And those don't stick around too long on mobile because there's very little preservation of these kind of games mm-hmm. on, the, on Apple and Android. Yeah, um, I know it's a story that seems weird, but it's actually commonplace, especially in mobile gaming. Yeah. Uh, as you guys mentioned, like it's 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 preferred for the game to be a microtransaction laden experience because that's just the evergreen way that mobile works. Um that being said, like um I wonder why this isn't on just something like uh Apple Arcade or you know, something of that nature, because you know, mm. obviously some effort was put into these games, you know, to, to remove it this way it just shows that it wasn't really planned well. Um you don't want to see any of your games cannibalize of your other products but at the same time like this is something they should have seen so it's weird to see yeah yeah it's unfortunate it's almost like these games uh mobile gaming is just very weird on the preservation front a lot of studios put out a new game and they delist the old ones because they don't want people playing them Mm. so they want the new hotness kind of stuff yeah which makes sense for like yearly games but you know, it's a, a thing that's very foreign for the the console market, where you know you've got access to all these Assassin's Creed games at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, except for the first one, they've not made that on any of the recent systems. But pretty much every other one, you can get access to pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft finally fixed that uh, bug with the PS4 version that made it freak out on the PS5 in backwards compatibility where basically all the, the lighting for outdoor environments would just constantly flicker on and off as you're going around, which Mm. uh, didn't really annoy me. It was kind of funny just going around seeing this happen and everybody in the game is like, ah, this is normal. The sun just flickers on and off all the time. So who cares? Uh, But yeah, Uh, they put that on, PlayStation Plus uh, a few months ago and that was like one of the things like 
oh yeah, this this game acts weird on PS5. Uh, who knows? Whatever. So they didn't put it on PS5, PS Plus proper. Uh, but no, uh, the game should work perfectly fine. Uh, they put out the updates on, I think, the 23rd, so should be out now. But yeah, now you can play it in a better form. And that game's pretty good uh, amongst the uh, Assassin's Creed games that are on there. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it is as far as like the sort of, the sort of like old, I hate to use that phrase, but like the older style Assassin's Creed games. Uh, yeah, it's one of the better ones, I would say. Yeah, I think that one might be the one that's like the ultimate form of that. Yeah. Uh, 360 and PS4 generation of Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with all your sort of overarching stuff. Mm-hmm. that's going on in there but yeah there you go that updates out mm. also no man's sky got a huge update obviously coinciding with the psvr 2 launch but has a bunch of other stuff in there as well yeah uh, there's a new expedition uh for getting some new stuff uh all that kind of stuff to explore they added a section of the menus in your like little catalog of discovery stuff uh called wondrous discoveries which is all like the the weirdest shit you've seen, basically. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, here's the largest carnivore you've seen. Here's the smallest one you've seen. You can go look at all these different creatures and mm-hmm. such that you've seen, just like all the weird shit. So they found a way to catalog that so you can remember all that stuff. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Uh, they improved their HDR lighting stuff, which is cool. Because uh, now they're on you know consoles and PCs are getting better at HDR and all that. So mm-hmm. they make that look better. Yeah, they had a new uh, speeder starship that looks cool. Yeah, VR supports. They added uh, Nexus missions to the Switch version, as well as gyro support for PlayStation, Switch, and I assume PC as well. Mm-hmm. They tightened up the game options so that it makes it a little easier to understand what you're doing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that kind of stuff. As well as more customization, and I'm not even a third through this list, so I'll just let you yeah. guys deal with all that, yeah. uh, looking at that. So that's cool. They've yeah overhauled the VR stuff as a part of this. There's also like milestone titles is the thing I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went and found a grave marker thing. It's like this little floating thing, and it just gave me a title. I was like, what the fuck? I don't think this was in there before. Yeah. So... There's a lot of shit, more shit in that game as they just keep updating that game for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think every time they put out updates, they get a big bump in sales, so that makes up for not charging for this stuff. Yeah. And that's better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's see here. Out on March 2nd, which is Thursday, Fitness Boxing Fist of the North Star will be out on Switch. Mm. Uh, North America and Europe. Uh, 50 bucks for it. And that's the the latest in the the fitness boxing series from, I think Bandai Namco publishes that, mm-hmm. or Nintendo. I forget who it is, uh, but it's the latest one, and they decided to put uh, the Fist of the North Star license on it because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That guy's fit when he punches people into blood bloody messes. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, you can do all that kind of stuff with uh, with a bit of anime flavor to it if you want. Mm-hmm. So, there's the thing you can do. And uh, we took a little break from update news because there's more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers Edition uh, remaster that came out last year, 
was pretty good. Uh, but it definitely had some issues that people had uh, complained about. And though this Twitter post they put out does not explain exactly what they're fixing, uh, they did say uh, that they are working on an update uh, this month, I guess, so in the next few days. said it includes a wide range of changes, such as frame rate improvements, changes to the growth system for PIP, it fixes yeah. for other bugs. Uh, thank people for all their feedback and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the uh, thank them for their support and all that. Uh, so yeah, that'll be cool. I'm curious to see like the full change log for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of wish Square Enix didn't have this trend of they just go silent for a long time and then they're like, "Hey, we got an update to fix things you've been complaining about," mm. and then it's out. You know, long time after, after you would have liked it to. I think this game is about a year old at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would have been nice if it was uh, a little quicker on the draw on that stuff. So is that the only version of the game with that problem, or is it on all? Play- it's all versions of the game that are on the new consoles, mm. or the I think it's PlayStation Switch have it, and PC maybe. Mm-hmm. I forget where all that release, but. Yeah, this is for all those versions. Ah, okay. But yeah, it uh, seems like nothing. Yeah, it's nothing too major. Yeah, but it's a lot of stuff that have been annoying the the people that are really passionate about Chrono Cross. Uh, maybe with this out, they'll say like, "Hey, maybe we should put Chrono Trigger on the consoles," where people would like it to be. Uh, but yeah, speaking mm-hmm. of games with issues, Tales of Symphonia Remaster came out, and. Yep. People have lots of thoughts about that. So much. It seems like the Switch is the worst version of them all. Yeah. Uh, so the game runs at 30 FPS instead of 60 like people would want. Uh, but I have seen there being a lot of issues with uh, the way it looks. The uh, the load times are particularly an issue. Somebody did a... A video of all six versions of that game, GameCube, mm-hmm. PS2, PS3, Switch, Xbox One, and PS4, showing them all loading together. Mm-hmm. And the PS3 is the fastest loading mm-hmm. of them all. Uh, then I think it's yeah, GameCube, Xbox One, and PS4 at the same time, PS2. And then the Switch. The Switch is slower to load on this version than the PS2 version. Mm-hmm. I should tell you all you need to know. Uh, but yeah, there's graphical changes that have happened that like the Switch version looks more dull than the colorful GameCube version and all that kind of stuff. And that can be uh, annoying for people. There's all sorts of issues in the developers, at least on the Japanese uh, Tales Twitter account, mm-hmm. uh, posted a message that uh, in the Google translation says... Uh, we have confirmed that there is a problem with gameplay in this product version that is currently on sale. We are currently investigating a fix. And that mm. explains nothing uh, about what exactly they're doing. They have two others here. We'll inform you about the update for future fixes as soon as it is known. We will send it from this account, so please wait for the information. Uh, what's the third one have in it? Uh, oh, just mm. contact us for any other further bugs that you might have. Mm. So... I don't know. That seems like something they'll probably work on for 
the next few months here, but yeah, this version of the game seems like it's about as not good as people were kind of expecting it to be, mm. uh, which is a shame for this being kind of the premier premier game that got people into the series. Yeah, this does not uh, shock me at all. I mean, even when the game was first announced uh, on the Nintendo Directs and like the trailers and whatnot, I, I even said the game did not look good. Um, especially when you put it next to games like Tales of Vesperia or even the latest Totnes and uh, what's what, what, what's that what's that new one called, Brandon? The one, the one with the white-haired character. Uh, Trails of Arise. There you go. Yeah, when you know compared compared to Tales of Arise, like there is a lot of stuff missing as far as like the actual presentation. You can't call yeah. something remastered and like like make nothing better. It seems like the only thing they made better is the fact that one, it's portable on Switch, and then two. Um, what's it called? The it's portable on Switch and two, it's available in HD, but it doesn't even look as good as its as its standard definition counterpart. Like we've yeah. already seen this happen with Grand Theft Auto, and all of a sudden the devs are going to tell us they're sorry. No, they they already knew knew happening. Like uh, it's it's really sad, and like it's it's like you mentioned, Chris. Like this is a game that got people into this series, and if you're gonna all of a sudden try to introduce them to new people, and this is what you put out, it's just really really sad like for me i was one of those people um telesymphonia was one of the few uh, rpgs available on the gamecube which was all i had at the time and i loved it because of that and yeah it ran at a consistent 60 frames per second it had pretty solid voice acting um i watched the review for nintendo life saying that they took out a lot of the voice lines and they also took out a lot of dialogue straight up and it was important dialogue too so yeah it never had 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 the best writing but it always had some of its charm, and I'm sure it still has some of it. But you know, when you when you say remaster, you have to release something that's better than the original, and they did not do yeah. that. Here. Even more of a shame, considering how good uh, Metroid Prime remastered is. Like no one mm-hmm. is even calling that a remaster; like it, it's a straight up remake. So yeah, it's also something I really need to focus on getting because I freaking love that old game, and I want to play this remaster. Yeah, like this yeah. is something that I actually was, was considering platinuming, but it just, it just seems like it's a better idea to get, to get the PS3 version, and that one had has some rough edges too. So I don't know. Like this is a game that's beloved, and Namco Band or Namco Bandai doesn't really care. So I don't know. It, it, it's rough, yeah. and I hope to see it fixed sooner than later. But at yeah. the end of the day, like this product was not released with much love from the get go, and, and that, that that really saddens me. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a thing for Bandai Namco of late is you're kind of a little iffy on whether their remasters of these games are going to be really good or really uh, questionable. Uh, but this one, at least people started getting out of reviews sort of early warning maybe to avoid it for a while. So hmm. at least saved uh, some people some money other than the ones who have broken brains like, well, I got to buy this either way to know for myself. Yeah. Kind of thing, but yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, next up, something good news for Bandai Namco Elden Ring has reached 20 million units sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's cool. Uh, the game has done really well for them, and uh, it'll be interesting to see sort of where they go next for a their like souls like style. Yeah, like they they could very. Like I'm, I'm they gonna make a, another Elden Ring? I mean, uh, according to them, they have like enough material that they've made that they could use 
basically turn this into a new franchise, and that seems to be their intention. Um, my question, though, is like, I wonder how they're going to top it because. As far as like the souls like formula goes, Elden Ring is pretty much the pinnacle right now. So, you know, they yeah. got a they got a hell of a job ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, with Elden Ring, like, you know, you can always top these games. It it, it just takes time. Mm-hmm. Um and from the software. I don't know if they're actually taking a break from this kind of game, but you know, they're working on armored core, which mm-hmm. a lot of people are excited about. So hopefully that can like take some eyes away. I guess it really depends on how soon they want to get another Souls-like out, because that game, whether it's fair or not, it will automatically be compared to Elden Ring. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Mm. Next up here, somebody new is entering the game publishing development business. Uh, maybe not who you expect. It's Bloomhouse Productions, makers of a lot of popular uh, and cheesy horror films. Mm-hmm. And TV shows and such, uh, they decided they're going to get into video games, uh, dubbing this new enterprise Bloomhouse Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily partner with indie designers to create horror themed projects, mm-hmm. uh, saying they're targeting budgets under $10 million to enable innovation and pushing creative boundaries. Uh, they will target console, PC, and mobile platforms. So that's uh, neat to see. Uh, they got 30-year industry veteran Zach Wood to be named president of Bloomhouse Games. Most recently worked at Iron Galaxy, but has worked at places like Arcane, Santa Monica Sunio. Uh, yeah, they're joined by CFO Don Seckler, who's former head of finance operations and strategy at PlayStation. So they seem to have some good good people there at the top. Uh, so that is cool to see and be curious to see sort of what's what they go for because uh, 10 million dollars is not a lot for games mm. these days nope uh so it'll be interesting to see sort of how how they go at stuff for this uh with its very very small projects that uh are maybe in the the burgeoning like ps1 level of horror game uh thing that people are doing mm. or if they're gonna go for like quick and short things. Uh, let's see, but it's certainly promising if they bring a lot of the, the expertise they do for their movie and TV stuff. So yeah, that's going to be neat to see. Especially good news for people like horror games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next up here, speaking of horror games, Shinji Mikami, uh, former creator of Resident Evil, mm-hmm. is announced that he is leaving Tango Gameworks. Uh, after mm. being there for, I think, about 12 years at this point, and is sort of leading, leaving that studio in the hands of the younger generation that has been leading a lot of the games recently. Mm. I think Hi-Fi Rush is one of their younger guys uh, as the director of that, as well as I think the uh, the Evil Within 2 was also, mm. I think it was probably the same guy as Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, yeah, Bethesda confirmed this news as well as Shinji Mikami putting out a message on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe the the thought is that he is joining one of his former co-workers at uh, Capcom in a new studio that they have formed. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what the name was, uh, but it was some weird pun on both of their names being combined, so mm-hmm. I think we'll know more about that in probably the 
the next few months or so, whenever he officially announces it. But he leaves behind a pretty good legacy there at Tangle Gameworks uh, with uh, some capable hands for mm-hmm. doing cool new stuff there. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just released a pretty incredible game. You know, he definitely left on a high note, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, aside from Hi-Fi Rush, uh, a lot of his portfolio isn't something that speaks to me, but obviously this is someone who's revered in the studio, and uh, mm-hmm. it'll be a bit of a loss for them. Uh, but yeah, hopefully he stays within the industry and he makes something. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a bit of a blow to Microsoft's portfolio studios, but you know mm-hmm. what? They're looking to acquire a bunch more people with their Activision Blizzard acquisition. And they have signed a pair of 10-year deals with Nintendo and NVIDIA to bring their games to their platforms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nintendo is sort of a weird one because they already kind of announced this, but I guess it was more of an informal pledge of sorts. Now they're in a binding 10-year legal agreement they have signed with Nintendo. Mm -hmm. uh, That... Uh, let's see, Microsoft and Nintendo have now negotiated and signed a binding 10-year legal agreement to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo players the same day as Xbox with full feature and content parity so they can experience Call of Duty just as Xbox and PlayStation gamers enjoy Call of Duty. Mm. They're committed to providing long-term equal access to Call of Duty to other gaming platform and platforms, bringing more choice to more players and more competition to the gaming market. Mm. There's a lot of loaded language in there. Be like, see, regulators... We're interested in full equal access to other platforms, hmm. not just keeping it to us. And it's also like, how are they bringing these PS5 games to the Switch with full hmm. feature and content parity and not have it run like shit? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely the big question there. Cause, uh, the way they announced it previously, you know, you could see them doing maybe Call of Duty mobile version of that on Switch that would work pretty well as a free-to-play thing or Mm. bringing Warzone over in some form, but yeah, the way they have it set here, it's like, well, we're going to bring, you know, Modern Warfare 3 over mm-hmm. uh, and make that, you know, uh, full feature and content parity with the other versions and see how that goes. Because mm-hmm. uh, their most recent attempt to do that was oh, I forget which game it was. It was one for the Wii U launch. And that went pretty all right, but also nobody bought a Wii U, so they stopped making Call of Duty games for it after that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's Call of Duty on Nintendo platforms has not been a fruitful relationship mm-hmm. for the most part. Because uh, I think they tried it on the Wii and the DS, and like those are all right, but you know, the audience just wasn't there to keep those as viable as the. Xbox and PlayStation and PC versions. Mm. So that's certainly a weird thing. Also, the weird thing is when uh, Microsoft exec Brad Smith announced this. Yeah, I think it's deleted the tweet that they linked to here because it gave people the impression that they were also going to be bringing other Xbox games to Switch at this part of this deal. And then he had mm. to like delete this and post a more clear message to that. Yeah, this he said we we've now signed a binding ten year contract to bring Xbox games to 
Nintendo's gamers. This is just part of our commitment to bring Xbox games and Activision titles like Call of Duty to more players on more platforms. So people are like, oh, they're pledging all Xbox games too. Oh, what's this all about? It's like, say to repost it. Be like, no, we're talking about Call of Duty here. Uh, Nothing else. So people got worked up there. But yeah, they also signed a deal with NVIDIA to bring their PC games to GeForce Now. Uh, that uh, sort of diversifies the cloud titles they are giving access to, though they're only doing it with the the other market leader in that PC streaming market uh, versus doing you know a more general licensing thing for the other cloud services out there. Uh, so that's something I've seen people mention is like maybe the one issue with this is that it's only with NVIDIA. Uh, versus the others that are out there, but maybe they'll work on that too if regulators suggest they should be doing that. But yeah, they're doing the, lots of deals with people, so I guess that maybe helps their case a little bit. But yeah, as I said before, they'll figure out what they need to do to get it out there, to yeah. get that, that done. Mm-hmm. They're not above it. Even as much yeah. as they act like they only care about the king part of the acquisition, which is mm. not true. They want all the money that gets through Blizzard and Call of Duty mm-hmm. into their coffers. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Nintendo, they have confirmed the reports from a few weeks ago that uh, they were skipping E3 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically saying we approach our involvement in any event on a case by case basis and are always considering various ways to engage with our fans. Since this year's E3 show didn't fit into our plans, we've made a decision to not participate. However, we have been and continue to be a strong supporter of the ESA and E3, which basically seems to suggest like this thing's coming together way too late for you know Nintendo to come up with a plan for their booth and all that uh, to spend a lot of money for this thing. Yeah, basically means we already shot our. And it's like we. We're not sure what we'll be spending money on here at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something we've talked about plenty in the past. Uh, events like E3 are, are really expensive for publishers like Nintendo and Sony, and there really isn't much of a return on investment on these things just because um, it's just expensive to just be able to book and set up a booth. And at the same time, like, no one's actually paying to get in except maybe the fans. And even then, with the way E3 has been the past few years, it hasn't even existed uh, post-COVID. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't really make any sense for anybody to do anything right now. Um, that being said, uh, I think they've only confirmed that they won't be on the show. You know, this doesn't mean that they won't do a um, digital event, maybe something coinciding with uh, Jeff Keighley's Summer of Gaming. Uh, then again, last year, they didn't do one immediately. So, you know, um, the jury's out. Uh, we don't know what'll happen. Um, but at the same time, we do know that there's stuff after um, Tears of the Kingdom. So it just depends on what it is there. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only major game they've got announced after or around E3 time is Pikmin 4, and they're not going to make a whole booth out of Pikmin, uh, though people would definitely like that. Yeah, I mean, they can, but at the same time, why would they, right? So. Yeah, uh, they seem to be keeping that latter half of the year 
schedule uh, under wraps and the the word out there is suggesting that maybe that's because they don't really have much else in the works that people would be excited about. It doesn't seem like Metroid Prime 4 or anything like that is going to be uh, that close up. So, yeah, there you go. Another another uh, arrow into E3's heart there for this year. Uh, but yeah, now we're going into the, the Sony part of the show here. Uh, mm-hmm. Sony on the launch day of PSVR 2 announced, or this was technically the, the day before, the night before, uh, announced another 10 games for PSVR 2, mm-hmm. uh, a handful of which are out on launch day. Uh, they went through another Fisherman's Tale, which is the follow-up to A Fisherman's Tale, uh, mm-hmm. which is a cool little adventure game that was about... Uh, like recursive kind of world design where yeah. you're in sort of this uh, big uh, uh, building and sort of had a model version of it, which was actually the same uh, building, just smaller version. So if you took off the top, you could see yourself in there and look up and see the bigger version of you, sort of that kind of thing. Uh, so that's cool. That'll be coming out later this year on PSVR 2. There's Gorn. Uh, which is coming out March 16th. This game has been out for a while on PSVR as well as PCVR. It's kind of a, a Roman gladiator uh, kind of game, uh, but very silly as you you know control weapons and beat up your opponents and like can rip off their limbs and arms and uh, head and all that to defeat them. Uh, lots of very silly stuff you can do there. Uh, so yeah, that's out next month. There's Knock Bow and Arrow Soccer, which is a weird thing that's out in March. That seems to be a competitive uh, game, maybe in a uh, Rocket League style. But instead of piloting a car, your character is using bow and arrow to knock uh, a soccer ball around, whatever it is. But that could be neat. Uh, let's see, Hell Sweeper VR. Uh, it's from the creators of Sorrento VR and the publishers behind Arizona Sunshine. Uh, let's see. As you traverse the different dimensions of hell, gain mastery of a wide range of weapons and ult- elemental magic, all while exploring crazy moves you previously thought imaginary. So that could be neat. Uh, that's later this year. There's Ragnarok. Uh, this is... Uh, one of a handful of VR rhythm games that are coming out. Uh, I think this is also a launch title. There's three launch title rhythm games. Maybe four. Pistol Whip, I think, is also one of those. But there's Ragnarok, which is you know a Viking-themed uh, rhythm game where you're a Viking captain competing in a ship race uh, where you are using your two hammers to bang on drums to encourage your your shipmates to row faster to the music kind of thing. Uh, There's like a drumming game uh, that is on the launch list. And there's a, another game down here. I'll skip to it called unplugged air guitar, which looks kind of neat. It's very much, you know, air guitar style because you're not using a guitar controller uh, to do this game. I guess as actual, Bands in it too, Ozzy Osbourne, The Offspring, Weezer, the three they mentioned here. So that's interesting. I'm not sure how that works, but 
Uh, that could be neat. Uh, let's see the other games. Let's see Runner. Uh, this is from Truant Pixel, uh, the makers of 2MD VR Football. This is their other launch title. Yeah, that I think is like an Akira bike racing style thing. Uh, so that's, uh, as the title suggests, it's kind of a runner kind of game. So that looks neat. That's a launch title. Star Tenders Intergalactic Bartending is another, I think it's another launch title. It's a free upgrade if you own the PSVR version. Uh, so that is just... You're manning a bar and making drinks for people, all kind of silly stuff you can do. So there's cool stuff there. Uh, there's Sushi Ben. It's a VR narrative adventure game where you must save a local sushi restaurant going, from going out of business. Uh, so there's that. This doesn't mention when it's out. I don't think it's out right now. I don't think so. Uh, but it is written by the creator of Hotful Boyfriend. So... That's a weird thing to put in this, so there you go for there. Uh, let's see, Swordsman VR. I think this is a launch title as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a realistic sword fighting game. And the weird thing to say here is it'll be a free upgrade for the three first three months for players who already own the PSVR version. Mm. Which I feel like if it's, you're going to offer the free upgrade, just make it free for good. Uh, but maybe this version's a little more expensive, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That's the the ten new games they announced in this announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the side ones is that Creed Rise to Glory Championship Edition got announced for April fourth release. It has a weird upgrade path. Mm-hmm. It's twenty bucks for the base game, thirty bucks for the deluxe edition. That's the upgrade pricing. Mm-hmm. I think it's forty and fifty for those regular. So that's pretty expensive for that. Uh, but then we get to the state of play. Here, where they had, I think, 45 minutes, about 16 games shown off. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this stuff was uh, stuff we already knew about. We've got dates or you know new trailers for, but they announced uh, a handful of new VR games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Foglands. There's Green Hell VR. Uh, Green Hell is a fairly popular uh, survival forest game uh, that's similar to a bunch of others, but that one's pretty popular, so they're making a VR version of that. Mm-hmm. The Foglands, I believe, is like a first-person roguelike shooter kind of thing, though you can also uh, use other things to attack enemies, even your hands, to punch them, or that kind of stuff. So that could be neat. Uh, there's Synapse, uh, which is... Yeah, the new game from the studio behind Fract and Phantom Covert Ops mm. has a really neat art style to it. Uh, but it's kind of one of those uh, first-person shooter games. It has some cool stuff to it. That'll be out later this year. Uh, Journey to Foundation uh, mm. looked really interesting. This is based on uh, the uh, the book series Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh I'm guessing you're familiar with that, Brandon. What's that? The the, the Foundation book series. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I am. Uh, they're all right. They were never yeah. particularly my favorite. Yeah, this one I think is a prequel of sorts. It's called Journey to Foundation. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you're playing a uh, an agent that is on a clandestine mission 
So mm-hmm. uh, doing some talking, doing some shooting, uh, doing other stuff too, I guess, as sort of uh, you know dialogue choices, that kind of stuff. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. There's not too many of those in VR. So mm-hmm. that's supposed to be out in the autumn, whatever that means. Uh, and then they showed a trailer for Before Your Eyes, which is coming out March 10th. Mm. Uh, that's a game people could pre-order now. That's sort of a narrative adventure game. So uh, that's, uh, I think it's 15 bucks and maybe 10% off for the pre-order period. Um, mm. Let's see. They showed off a new trailer for Destiny 2 Lightfall. It's out on the 28th. Mm. Uh, then we got Chia. Uh, which is uh, finally got a date. It'll be out March 21st. It'll also be part of uh, PS Plus's Extra Games Catalog uh, launch for next month. So it'll be on PS Plus at launch. Mm. There for people who have Extra or Premium. And as well as they announced uh, a sneak peek at the uh, PlayStation Plus launch, or the PlayStation Plus you know, lineup for March. Mm. Uh, which for the monthly games for Central and Up, there's Battlefield 2042, Minecraft Dungeons, and Code Vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's cool. Some good stuff there. Code Vein is Bandai Namco's anime Dark Souls. Uh, yeah. So that's something people can check out there. Yeah. Glad they're doing something with that franchise. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That, after that one game, they basically like a like a bad habit. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, we got more anime games to make. Yeah, Yeah. which sucks because it was a legitimately great game. Yeah. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons is basically Minecraft Diablo. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's all right. It's nothing, you know, all that good. Um, Battlefield 2042 had a rough launch, but it seems like it's gotten better, but I don't know where it's at right now. But Mm -hmm. they did give a hint at what else is coming to the game catalog for people with extra and premium. Uh, particularly Ghostwire Tokyo, Immortals Phoenix Rising, Chia, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Extraction, mm-hmm. and Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection. So there's some good titles and another chance for people to play or not play Extraction mm-hmm. as they've had that option for the past year and change. And people have yeah. been largely like, eh, we're good. Mm-hmm. We don't need another one of these, but Immortals Phoenix Rising is good. Chia mm-hmm. looks really interesting. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo is a game I've downloaded the PS Plus trial for and never mm-hmm. started it. Yeah, um, I think the highlight for me is Chia. Uh, that's definitely been a game on my radar um, just because of all the things it borrows from so many other games and movies and stuff. Like b- before the trailer that was shown, like I compared it to Moana, The Last of Us because of the guitar. Uh, Breath of the Wild because of the parasail and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks really good, and it's awesome that it's going to be a uh, PS Plus extra title. Uh, we haven't gotten something like this since Stray, and this is definitely a good title to uh, use that on. So hopefully, that it, it's a good deal for them. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, next up, Humanity resurfaced. This is the Enhanced Games title, uh, the makers yeah. of Tetris Effect and Res Infinite. Uh, they announced this probably four or five years ago. It was even announced for PlayStation VR. Uh, so they announced it's also coming to PS5 and PSVR 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's on all those things. I think as well as PC, they're doing a version for that. 
Uh, demo's out now for a limited time, and it'll be out in March or May. It'll be out in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very much like a, uh, a Lemmings type of thing. Where you yeah. know, these faceless humans doing stuff. You're trying to build up levels to get them to the goal. And you're controlling a Shiba Inu that is uh, been sent down by God to guide these humans to, I don't know, you know, heaven. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the ultimate goal is, but you're helping them out. Yep. So there you go. That's cool. That's a cool, mm-hmm. weird-looking game. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next one, Goodbye Volcano High, is finally nearing completion. Mm-hmm. Uh, PS5, PS4, PC, June 15th, it'll be out. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and apparently I finally figured out like what the overall theme of that game is. Um, it's called Goodbye Volcano High because the meteor that killed the dinosaurs is literally on its way. And this is like their last year. So Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the world's about to explode just in time for senior year. Yep. I actually had no idea that was why it was it was called that. Uh, yeah. Now I so makes sense. I don't know. Like for me, it's shaping up to be another We Are OFK, and I did not really like that game. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, hopefully it's good. I hope so, because uh, yeah. the shit that this game went through. <laughs> yeah. Um, and especially for the with the gamer crowd. Yeah. But, yeah. Now people are complaining this is a furry game, which is like, okay. Uh, the dinosaurs, what do you expect? Yeah. They're, They're going to be real fucking confused when this game comes that Snoop game had no fucking bearing on this game. So, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I just, I want this game to be good. Please be good. Yeah, it looks really cool. I'm excited for this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that is... uh. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah. And then they got to the bigger budget things here. Uh, Bandai Namco announced that they are working on Naruto Cross Boruto Ultimate Ninja Storm Connections yeah. uh, for every platform. Uh, this is basically what if we took all four Ninja Storm games and that Boruto expansion for the fourth one mm-hmm. and we made it all as one cohesive game. Mm. Uh, and sort of cut out the duplicate content there. Uh, so it's, you know, one continuous story from the very beginning mm. and his childhood up until uh, his final battle, Sasuke, and into the Boruto stuff uh, with mm-hmm. like over 120 ninja in it. Mm. You can have all the forms of Naruto fight. So mm-hmm. that's what the, the box art seems to be is all his different forms from childhood to adulthood mm-hmm. and all that so that's cool it's uh, a story that is quite expansive and has a lot of interesting mm. uh, elements to it mm. that people don't necessarily expect from probably the baseline stuff they know about Naruto mm. uh, compared to all the, the dark stuff that goes on even early on in that show oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah, there you go. That seems cool. That'll be out sometime this year, later this year. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is finally coming to console. Yep. Uh, that is coming out alongside its 1.0 launch on PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so PS5, PC, and Mac. Uh, it is not coming to the Xbox just yet. Mm. Uh, I think they've said their main issue is that the... 
local co-op play uh, does not work very well on the Series S. Mm. And so once they can get that solved, they will be uh, releasing on Xbox. There's no exclusivity agreement on that game. Ah. It's just a matter of when they can get it working the way they want it to. And so that Series S is the one that's holding that version back. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's the, the same team that did the Divinity Original Sin games. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic games. And they're yeah. going to their sort of next step of that style of thing with Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 3 here. Yeah. Though you can still see like a distinct like uh, Bioware uh, inspiration, the way a lot of the game works. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, granted, I mean, because Bioware made Baldur's Gate, but uh, I mean like modern bio Bioware, like posts, you know, like post uh, Baldur's Gate Bioware. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely looks good. Um, definitely interested in it. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, and they even got J.K. Simmons to voice. I assume it's the bad guy. Uh, I don't know the the characters from the D and D stuff, but uh, that looks like that's what uh, that character is going to be. Mm-hmm. He's hanging out in a big uh, throne, so that's either a bad guy, the the big bad guy, or uh, some fodder. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there you go for that. Uh, Wayfinder was next. They yeah. Announced that they are bringing that game to PS5 and PS4, mm-hmm. and are holding a closed beta test here on Tuesday, mm-hmm. taking signups for that for PS5 and PC mm-hmm. uh, before it goes into early access in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something for people to check out. That is, uh, uh, I think, one of those uh, open world RP- action RPG games. Yeah, um, it's made by Airships. And- so, you know, it's, it's, got, it's got very much that art style going with it. Um, that yeah. one looks fun. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking for this one. Yeah, they got a website up for signups for that closed beta so people can mm-hmm. try to get a code or whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Street Fighter Six. Ah. Uh, we already know that's coming out June 2nd, but they announced mm-hmm. three new characters. Yep. Two returning faces with Zangief and Cami. Yeah. Uh, and then one new one here. What's Lily. her name? Lily. Lily. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she is a descendant of the Thunderfoot tribe mm-hmm. where T-Hawk came from. Yeah. So I uh, found a way to get uh, another uh, Native American in there. Mm-hmm. Cami's got the, the most striking change in her outfit. So now... She's she is, wearing pants for one thing. <laughs> yeah, she's still like an agent, uh-huh. secret agent kind of character, but now she's wearing, you know, like yoga pants mm-hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, okay. Uh, and Zangief looks like a wrestler dude. Yeah, Zangief looks like Zangief. <laughs> yeah, he's all muscled out. Yeah. So there you uh, go. And for anybody wondering, they're supposed to like all where these characters are supposed to be like DLC. So, you know, if you have to see Cammy's delicious gams out in the open, then you know how to get them. So, yeah. Uh, all these are part of the launch roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all eight of the original Street Fighter World Warriors, mm-hmm. four returning favorites, which is Cammy, Jury, DJ, and Luke, and six newcomers, comers, mm-hmm. uh, Lily, Jamie, Kimberly, 
Manon, Marisa, and mm-hmm. JP. Mm-hmm. Like the, they released Luke as like the last DLC character for five, and they're like, he's one of the returning favorites. Like, no, he's pretty much mm-hmm. new for most people. Yep. But yeah, there you go. That that game still looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll play it, but it's got a really nice style to it. Mm. Uh, then they showed off Resident Evil 4 to remind you they've also got another Capcom big release here coming out soon. Mm. Uh, March 24th. They'll have a demo sometime soon. Uh, you can still all the, do the, the dumb shit that's in Resident Evil 4, like suplex people, yeah. uh, all that kind of stuff. Krauser, they showed off the Krauser fight. Mm-hmm. They showed off the uh, the little Lord dude, whatever his name is. Uh, I forget him, but yeah, I totally remember yeah. who you're talking about. Little goofy dude. It's like, wait, this game's supposed to be scary, and you got this little this little dude that's just acting like he's some big shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the the lost Plagas, the shoot people in the head, and there come out these like weird knife uh, tentacle thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Ashley looks much better. Less like a, a girl that was on spring break vacation and got kidnapped, uh, and more like you know the president's daughter. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. They're also going to be bringing back the mercenaries mode mm-hmm. uh, as free DLC after launch. And I don't think it was part of this, but they also announced that uh, this past week that they had started work on the VR mode for this game. That'll be free DLC as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not going to be at launch. Uh, but I assume, by the way that they're talking about it, that it'll be like as expansive as the Resident Evil Village mm-hmm. VR stuff is. So, yeah, there you go. That's uh, That game's shaping up to be as good as people would want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as people are like, Resident Evil 4 doesn't need any sort of you know remake. And it's like, maybe not, but there's a lot of stuff they could do that you know they did to 2 and 3 that people would like out of this game. It's got that dumb helicopter fight. You're just yeah. dodging fire constantly for no reason. Yeah. And the, the dumb fight with the two big giant monster mutants. Mm-hmm. So there's still lots of dumb shit in this game. Oh, yeah. So calm down, people. <laughs> uh, and then they ended with Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, showing yeah. actual gameplay for the first time. Yeah. Uh, or the gameplay of consequence here mm-hmm. as we saw people shooting guns and such and it actually looks pretty cool although the gameplay there uh they also talked a bit about uh some of the bigger part of the game which includes live service stuff that seemed to turn the audience from we are excited about this game to this is going to be the worst game ever mm. uh the internet has kind of turned on this game hard uh, they didn't really do themselves any favors on this because I think the thing that would help them out is sort of gameplay video that is sort of like here's 20 minutes of us playing the game uh, mm. no cuts to anything else you know show what the game loop is and all that because uh, there's loot to this game mm. in some form at least there's like a gear score and all that and uh, the way that people on the internet go is that they think about the worst things first. Yep. Because, uh, like, the battle pass is for just cosmetic stuff only. You don't mm-hmm. have to buy into it for actual gameplay relevant stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that people were complaining about. Uh, but yeah, everything about the way this plays looks really cool. Uh, mm. And yeah, that'll be out May 26th, so about three months away. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's time for them to start showing more gameplay of this. Because uh, yeah, the, the way everything works kind of looks uh, pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, the only issue is just not having too much of a, an idea of sort of how the game plays, you know, properly. Yeah. And why this, why people shouldn't expect this to be another Gotham Knights or Marvel's Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. They, this is like the 18th working on a while now. So my expectations yeah. are obviously high. Yep. And like Harley Quinn has a lot of acrobatic stuff and uh, like a big swinging mechanic to it. Mm-hmm. That looks like it could be pretty cool. It's not going to be yep. Spider-Man, but uh, it looks like a pretty neat way to get around. And a lot of the characters do mm-hmm. have their own ways of getting around. So Yeah, um, now that we've seen gameplay, I'm a tad lower on um, the game as a whole. Uh, primarily because just, I don't know, um, af- after seeing the way the Avengers turned out... Um, it's just like tough to really see this uh, kind of game succeeding. But you know, um, as you guys mentioned, uh, the A team on, on on WB is working on this, so that gives more reason for uh, for it to succeed. But like, you wonder how much pull the Suicide Squad as an IP uh, can really get. We'll just have to see there. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Especially with uh, with James Gunn, you know, trying to make the games matter in his universe. Uh, that'll be an interesting point. I don't know if that actually does with this game, but um, yeah, like we've seen a lot of flash and uh, with their uh, trailers before. Uh, the gameplay was a little off to me, but you know that 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 doesn't mean the game will suck. We'll see as we move. Mm-hmm. Uh, to move We're almost there. So yeah, yeah, and it's like a lot of issues I have with some of these games, like this and uh, Tears of the Kingdom, Legend of Zelda. That's yeah, it's like. We haven't seen like cohesive gameplay to understand how that game, these two games, like really work and feel. Mm. Uh, for Zelda, it's like, how is this different from the other game? What justifies the sequel besides just the cash that'll flow right into their pockets? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, this one, it's like Rocksteady's a great developer. They put a lot of time into this game, so I don't expect them to have like you know, made a terrible game here, but I'm curious sort of what them in an open world uh, shooter kind of thing looks like sort of compares to, you know, modern kind of games like that uh, and how they're going to, you know, try to buck the trend of uh, the live service comic book branded game. Because mm-hmm. uh, Gotham Knights came out to a, a resounding thud of you know sales and all that and avengers was good in spite of that stuff mm-hmm. it was better as a single player game versus you know playing in the multiplayer stuff mm-hmm. and just did not get the support that could have pulled it out of there uh into a, a really good game but yeah rock is a better developer than the studios that worked on those mm-hmm. so i'm curious to see all that, and they've talked about, you know, adding more stuff post-launch to add new missions and characters and all that kind of stuff, so it'll all be free, or the big stuff will be free. I don't know what else they're going to do that's paid besides the the battle system, so who knows. 
it's mm. those kind of games where it's like, yeah, we just need like, you know, gameplay demos essentially, mm. uh, whether they stream them or put out a demo, uh, that kind of thing. Just let us know how these play. If you want 70 bucks out of people, mm-hmm. luckily they got a few months to get that out there, but yeah. Still mm-hmm. looking forward to that. That's a it's a game that's love right now. It'd be a very good like Black Friday game at like thirty or forty bucks yeah. to get uh, versus getting it at launch because that May twenty six is you know right before a bunch of stuff in June, mm-hmm. and it's right after a bunch of stuff in May, so they don't have a lot of time uh, to fuck around with that launch. They need to get it right, or else it's just another. Another failure for Warner Brothers, uh, especially for their DC stuff. So, yeah, there you go. I think that'll do it for the show this week. Uh, mm. Thank you to Brandon and Dan Rib for joining this week. I'll wait. Uh, I'll we'll wait. be back next week with a new slate of news and a new month. And I th- Is next week's daylight savings time, or is that... I forget what the is going on with that stuff. Is it really? Oh, shit. I think it's pretty soon. Uh, notice it's on the calendar at some point. Of course, I... it's uh, March 12th. Yeah. Okay, that'll be the week after that. So I'll definitely let you guys know that it's an hour earlier than you might think. But mm-hmm. I think most modern devices change the, the time automatically, so people shouldn't be that uh, messed up by it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, feel free to let friends and the Family know that they should check out the podcast mm. and uh, select strangers that, uh, I don't know, uh, enjoy games as well. So, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Mm. Hope to see you all next time. Have a good one.